with the landlord tenant board being how it is in Canada, specifically Ontario, is it still a good idea to invest on our own soil? Or should we think about going south of the border and invest elsewhere? We've all heard of some horror stories with investors having tenants who just decide to stop paying rent, which results in landlords relying on the shit show of a board we have here. If I'm being honest, it's had me hesitant to continue adding to my real estate portfolio. However, after chatting with today's guests, it's had me looking at investing in Ontario with a different lens. The conversation was refreshing, motivating, and dare I say, has sparked a fire in my belly to consider continuing on with my investing journey here in Ontario. You see, the cool thing about real estate investing is that there's so many angles you can take to getting to your FI goal that our guest today decided to go straight into short-term rentals, but not just Airbnb. She owns and operates a unique motel that yields not only great cash flow, but the protection of dealing with long-term tenants. If you're new to the show, my name is Tom Moffat, and I'm joined by my good buddy and co-host Brandon Love. Our show is geared towards helping Canadians achieve financial independence through real estate, investing, and entrepreneurship. So if that sounds like you, be sure to hit that subscribe button and follow along. So let's dive right into the episode. Hello, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of The Invested Entrepreneur. Brandon Love here with my good buddy, Tom Moffat. And we have a very special guest here today. It is Riley Stead from Coldwell Banker Southwest and Cozy Upstays. She is an investing wizard. I don't know how she has so many doors, but she's closing on her 37th door next week, her and her husband. They've got a mix of a lot of different properties. And if you're tuning in for the videos, this is not like a 70-year-old investor. She is a young woman who is absolutely crushing it. So we had to get her on the show and pick her brain about how she's doing it, her mindset going into things, and just the works there. So welcome to the show, Riley. Thank you. So Kind of walk us through, I know you're a realtor as well. Yep. You run Cozy Upstays Property Management. And we'll kind of talk about how you got into the Cozy Upstays part because that ties into your investing journey a bit there. For sure. But made you want to start investing in real estate? It really coincided with my real estate career. And I've always wanted to do it. Like I wasn't a generational realtor. I just, when I started going to Western, I only did one year there. And I was like, during that time, I got my real estate license. And yeah, I came home and started real estate in, I think, 2011, 2012, because I'm about 12 years in now. And I've always, you know, watching HGTV, like typical stuff like that, and never afraid of doing it. I just wanted to buy, wanted to invest, you know, some of the wealthiest people in the world invest in real estate. And that's kind of where I got it from. So real estate getting into this profession, and then it just kind of led into, you know, a good deal would come up and, you know, you get more comfortable with it. So that's where it started for me. And then once I got one, it was kind of an addiction. It was fun. It always worked out. That's how I started anyway. Awesome. I was going to say, once you get to like 37 doors in that time frame, it seems like you might have an addiction. So. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, 100%. I mean, there's always a huge risk to it. And I mean, sometimes when I would buy one or my husband and I, or whatever the deal is, we would buy one. I'm like, man, that's so much money. Like, go into like a one, two day depression after all the, like, you know, the down payment and everything and the stress of it all is gone. You're like, oh man, like, did I make the right decision? But just being aggressive with it in smart plays, I feel is my personality is that aggressive personality. I dive in head first. So it just became natural and I want more. <laughs> so. so you're going to continue going by sounds of it. Like this isn't the end for oh, you at 37. No. Like you want to keep scaling. Oh my was God. Was there yeah. ever any point where you were like, you know what, this is too much. I think I have enough. Or has it always been like head down, just keep going? 
No, I think I want to say 95% it's always head down. Let's keep going. When we bought the second motel, we kind of went back and forth on buying that second one because I was like, wow, I think it was 16 doors. And then there's two apartments like, and it needed a lot of work that plus real estate full-time cozy up was booming, but you know, I didn't have all the staff. So maybe at that point in time, I was like, okay, maybe we can cool it and make sure, you know, everything that we do have is running and good. And then that didn't happen. So once we closed on it, we did some renos, we got it up and running. I'm like, okay, what's next? Let's go. Yeah, that's awesome. And I guess your husband, he's of a similar mindset as well, because I feel like in a partnership, there's usually one person who's more risk tolerant than the other. But it sounds like he's gung ho on getting a lot of these doors as well. Actually, he is absolutely the more he doesn't like as much risk. Like when him and I met, I think he had two rentals at the time, but really got into it when we became a couple when we got into it. He was, you know, RSPs and saving money and he had his house pretty much paid off, but he's older than me, right? So that kind of generation. Yeah. I don't know if he just put his trust in me or I'm just such a pusher. I'm like, hey, we're going to do this and this and this and this. And he's just like, okay, let's go. So we're a good team in that sense because he's a handy guy. Like there's nothing he can't fix. So I mean, there's confidence in that too when you're taking over some of these properties and we both know that he can go out there, we can go out there and figure it out. So we're lucky to have that team too. Yeah, that's great. I see a lot of your stuff on Instagram and you are like a roll up your sleeves, put the car hearts on yeah. and go out and do which is it's it. nice when you have that because it frees up so much space in your budget as well yeah we were on another podcast yesterday and they're like what's your favorite construction tool we're like a hammer <laughs> we're both like pretty much useless yeah uh, this is an embarrassing story i probably shouldn't share but i had to build a fence in my backyard and i bought a saw but i bought like a corded one and i went to like cut through the first board and i'm like that feels weird and i was like cutting through the board and the cord oh, underneath <laughs> and then i was laughing and i called my dad and he's like that's really dangerous yeah. and you're an idiot. Like, I'm going to come over and help you. <laughs> and help you. Oh, my God. They got your mortgage broker. Yeah, I know, I know. 100%. Stick useless. to mortgages. <laughs> yeah. And I don't do it all the time. I just, I love it. That handy, that reno stuff. Like, I feel like I'm pretty knowledgeable in it, which I think has also helped that confidence. I think anybody can learn it. So if you wanted to be that person where you're more self-sufficient, and you have that knowledge. Again, it ties into real estate. When I go and show houses, like I'm looking at the electrical, I'm looking at the plumbing. You know, I know the difference between PVC, copper, aluminum, all that stuff, mm -hmm. which I think is a huge benefit if you're going to have that many doors. It's either you and your partner, or whoever yourself are that knowledgeable so you can see different things, you know, the construction side and not just the money side, or just have a really good property management company that can look after that for you. Yeah. So when you take on these projects and you have like more of an extensive reno project, are you doing most of it with your husband or are you subcontracting and then you're kind of picking up the odds and ends? Yeah, we mostly subcontract it. So under Cozy Up stays, but a year and a half ago, I hired a full-time contractor, like renovator maintenance guy. So we have him full-time and he does a ton of our work. You know, we'll subcontract anything that he's too busy for because he also looks after, you know, the maintenance and the rental side of all of our doors that we manage. So again, just being in the field, real estate, having properties, you just kind of get those contacts. And it's really important to have those, you know, set plumbers that you always use that referral base. So I would say majority of it now is contracted. Chris will do some stuff when I need it or when we need it, anything that's basic at our properties. But for the most part, we hire everything out. There's just not enough time in the day anymore. I imagine that frees up a lot of your time to really source out, like figuring out what your next project is probably, mm -hmm. right? Like the prospecting side yeah, of it. Yeah, exactly. That's the way more fun part. 
Yeah, that's exactly. the part we like. So yeah. exactly. touched on Cozy Up stays for a second there. And I think we should dive in for anyone's listening who doesn't know your story. Yep. Cozy Up stays is property management company as well as a rental company, correct? A rental company like, like you can rent doors. Yeah, yeah. For Airbnb short terms. Yep. Yeah. Okay. So can you kind of walk us through how it started and how it works and where you're at now? So started with me. So I was in real estate and I think it was about 2017. Airbnb at that time had kind of just become a thing in Canada, let's say, right? It was more of a, you know, instead of a hotel, stay at this house. And, you know, the platform was growing quite rapidly. And I was like, oh, this is kind of cool. And, you know, tried it, went to a couple of places, stayed at an Airbnb and I had one property out in Lambton Shores. I was like, I'm going to do this. So I got a tenant out, a long-term tenant that wasn't great. Got them out. It was furnished. Everything was all set up because I lived at that property at one point and put it up on Airbnb and it was awesome. Like I loved it. The freedom of it, the people loved staying there, the maintenance, you know, the money, income on it was fantastic. It just felt more free. Like I could have control over my properties versus just you know, putting somebody in there and hoping that they pay rent every month. So I, you know, cleaned it, I, you know, looked after it, did all the guest communication. And then it just kind of snowballed into referrals, like friends or clients that, you know, didn't really want to do long term, but they didn't really know what else to do with their property. So I probably had like five or six, it's kind of a blur that I did everything. So I like I was working real estate full time, I cleaned all the properties, I did all the guest communication on Airbnb, any of the little maintenance that needed to be done, I did it. It was wild. I think I did that for a year. And then I hired my first cleaner. And then it just kind of snowballed from there. So I created Cozy Up Stays specifically to start as a rental company. Like I would get these clients that would want to rent out their homes on Airbnb. And I would do all the management. So we would talk to the guests, we would check them in and out, do all that. And then it turned kind of into a more management style where I was like, hey, you know, there's a business model for this. There's money to be made on the management side instead of just a typical, you know, property management company for long term. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, then Cozy of Seas was created. Majority of the business now is still referrals. We're Sarnia Lampton. We're up north, Tobamori, Wyerton. We had one in Costa Rica. And we're going to look to expand further out internationally this year is our goal. We're definitely over 200 doors. I think we're at like 235 doors, nice. I think, right now. And the projection is probably onboarding 30 to 50 more this year. Okay, that's awesome. And like, I was on the site and I was looking at some of your listings. Obviously, I saw your motel and a few properties there. But then I saw some places that looked kind of like they were the perfect spot for if you sold your home and like didn't want to do a long bridge, you would then... Yeah go to Cozy Upstays, stay there as kind of like your gateway. Is that what a lot of your referral business comes from, like the realtor network? Or is it like traveling hockey teams? Like what's the makeup of the the clients? Because like I come to Sarnia for business and I know there's a lot of industry there, but is it like mainly people coming in standard Airbnb or do you find it's more like real estate transactional kind of business? I think when it started, it was definitely word of mouth. So more from like my kind of sphere of influence and being a realtor. And then as we got more Airbnbs, you know, like yours, like to come and stay for a week on business, then turned into more, I want to say, not an Airbnb referral, but like as the reviews go up, then you become higher up on their algorithm and their search for that specific area. Yeah. So I just think we gained popularity. But I still to this day think, like majority of our management side is absolutely referrals. Like people talk, especially in this area, 
especially up north, like I would say 95% of our business up north is absolutely referral based where a client is really happy with us and then they're referring to somebody else. And then as for guests, it's really just what the platform and what we're doing with our social media. And then we also have that side too. So we've kind of created like a corporate side. So we deal with relocations now because all of our properties that we have are 95 of them, 99% of them are all furnished, right? They're all furnished, set up, come and stay and you don't need anything. You just need to bring your suitcase. So then we've dived into like the corporate side where we're housing, you know, people here for work because the refineries or Hmm. the relocation companies where people are coming here for work and they need higher end homes or you're coming to work for a week and you need a place to stay. We've got a really cool referral base. So you, it sounds like you have a mixture of like day-to-day rents and then you have like maybe month-long contracts for the people that have like the traveling for work. That's cool because then you have like a nice mix. Especially because it's quieter this time of year, right? Like our Airbnbs, everything's hopping in the summer from May until you know september long weekend everything's hopping it's busy you know we've delved into more of the corporate stuff as well the weekly stays or whatever in order to you know keep clients making money throughout the winter and those month contracts really help for the winter months yeah and have you been affected at all with the airbnb changes not necessarily no i want to say like lambton shores right now is the one they're regulated they've set out their standards you know it wasn't anything ridiculous To be honest, most of it I agreed with. Like you should have a fire safety plan. You should have a fire escape plan. Your insurance company should know that you're a short-term rental. Insurance is more expensive, but that's a whole other issue I have with insurance companies. But there were many things that I did agree with. So as an Airbnb lover and somebody that has, you know, created a company around it, I certainly don't disagree with some of the rules and regulations that are coming in. Any Airbnb host that is not following the rules, you know, that's being a nuisance, they should be, you know, not punished, but they should, you know, be told that they can't do that and regulated. So majority of them know we run ours with the most respect, you know, our guests know, and are very aware of our presence. So it's not a party house. It's nothing like that. So right now, no, we haven't seen anything hit us too hard. Nice. That's awesome. I think that's such a good point when you build your business around it and you have all these other pieces. It's like when regulatory body comes in and says, you need this new compliance piece. We're like, oh, we already did that. Like a lot of these rules come in and they get rid of the bottom 20% that was just like putting crappy things on the platform or putting just shit out there. So it gets rid of a lot of that stuff. 100%. So a lot of what we focus on on this podcast is the goal of not necessarily retiring early because we find we like our work, we're addicted to our work, but mm-hmm. the idea of financial independence. Yep. So do you have a goal in terms of like number of doors for you personally or for Cozy Up Stays that's like, okay, I would feel like I have financial freedom or maybe you've achieved it already. Do you have that kind of number in your head that you're working towards or are you just having fun right now and just building the business and growing that way? It's kind of a loaded question, right? Like there's days like everybody have where I'm like, okay, like what's enough, right? Like 80, 90 hours a week I can put in and I absolutely love it. And then there's days like, it's like, okay, in two years, Cozy Up Stays will be like on the ground rock and I can be away from the day to day. And then everybody that knows me really well, they're like, come on, that's not your personality. If you're going to walk away or retire, whatever you want to call it, you're going to go and find something else to do, which I don't disagree with. I think real estate will always be in my life. I feel like there's a part of me that has reached that, you know, that financial happiness. You know, I go to bed and I'm comfortable and, you know, if I need or want something, I can go do it. But for me, I don't know if there's ever enough. So I know one goal that I can say in two years 
was to be completely away from Cozy Up day to day. You know, I have the staff in place now. We're going to hire more this year. So my hope is to be away from the Cozy Up Stays day-to-day stuff, which was my goal, which I feel like would then create a lot more space and freedom. But I feel like real estate would always be in my life as long as I can sell real estate. And hopefully Cozy Up Stays goal for me anyway is to be international. Like I want Cozy Up Stays to be internationally recognized as a management company, as a, you know, Airbnb go-to. And I want its own platform similar to something like Airbnb or VRBO. That's the goal. Awesome. Yeah. I like that. Goal. Yeah. I love the idea. And we yeah. talk about that a lot within our business of like, okay, at a certain point, we need to fire ourselves from certain rules mm-hmm. so that we can pour yeah. our energy into the other stuff that works. Not to like completely remove ourselves from the business, but for like those high level yeah. things like going international, you can't have a subcontractor do that for you. Yeah. You can have a subcontractor manage the calendar bookings and stuff like that. So there's certain rules that you have to just let go of control in order to grow to the next level. So I love that you're doing that and that you've also like kind of time stamped when your completion date is on that. Yep. Like I feel like I have those time stamps. Like I have my two-year goal. I have my five-year, you know, do I have a 10-year? Probably not. I'm just such a fly off the seat of my pants person sometimes that I just, I don't know what's going to come in 10 years. I know maybe financially and do I know how many doors? Not really. But I mean, if I'm 40 and I have 100 doors, it still probably won't be enough. But it'd be a really cool goal. Yeah, that would be cool. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's not always like from a monetary perspective with financial freedom too. like the fact that you've replaced yourself so many times in your different projects gives you that freedom to then say, okay, maybe this week, I just want to work 10 20 hours because I don't have to be in the day to day with cozy upstays. And I have these people running it on autopilot and it gives you the flexibility to travel internationally for maybe another project or something. So to me, that's what's something I've been realizing lately. It's not just like hit that number from a financial perspective and you have financial freedom. It's also like giving you the flexibility to replace yourself and free up more time as well, which it sounds like you're done yourself, which is super cool. Yeah, like I think the biggest thing I've learned in how much I've worked up to this point is that having time off is pretty important. It's really hard to get away from my phone. That's probably a boundary that did not exist for years. I feel like in the last year, maybe it exists a little bit more. If me and Chris will go away, then you know I put my phone on do not disturb and I answer my stuff when I want to or whatever, right? But that's always making sure that here at home, everybody in the office is good. You know, they know what they're doing. If everything's handled, and obviously if they need me, then I'm a phone call away. So it's just creating that really good group of people that support your business and support, you know, your company. And if you treat them right, they'll treat you right. Yeah, for sure. We have the same problem with our phone and like separating that work-life balance. I think it drives both of our partners crazy because we'll be like sneaky texting each other on like a Saturday. (laughs) I remember one time Tom was at a bar with his wife and he called me. I'm like, it sounds really weird. He's like, I ran into the bathroom. I had this idea. So I'm hiding in the bathroom and I'm calling you with it. I'm like, oh my God, go have fun with your wife. Was that the spa or the winery? I can't remember. Maybe I did the spa. You did the winery. Yeah, we're bad. It's really hard. Like I don't know how any entrepreneur, like maybe as aggressive as us, me, whatever you want to call it, I don't know how you have a partner that doesn't vibe with that. I couldn't. I mean, I've tried. It never worked because, you know, if somebody was calling me about something and I'm okay, right? Everybody has to pick their boundaries and where that ends and everybody's different. But yeah, support a partner, especially, I guess for me personally, is super important. Like I'll be on my phone and Chris is like, yeah, go do you. Like, I know that you're right there. You know, I know you're good. Do what you got to do. 
So yeah, yeah, it's key. And I find sometimes it's not even just the phone too. It's like, for me personally, I'm always mm -hmm. thinking about something like you have that entrepreneur mind where it's just like creative process in your head. And I find sometimes I'm just like in a conversation and I'm not even listening to anyone, like whoever's talking. I'm like, oh, wait, what? Because I'm thinking yeah. in my head about something. My else. daughter yeah. Willow called me out for that because I kind of like stare off in the distance. It probably looks a little psychotic. And I'm like, deep <laughs> at something? And she's like, what's over there? What are you staring at, dad? And I'm like, oh, nothing. I was literally thinking nothing. about <laughs> totally unrelated to this. So I wasn't here. We all do. When I'm on my phone, like we'll be in the truck or something and he's driving and I'm on my phone and I'm just going. And I'll be like yeah and he's like just wait till you're done and i'm like okay so i'm trying to finish because it's just like i don't hear anything you say and he's like i'll just wait till you're done because like i'm gonna have to repeat myself yeah oh he said he seems really chill so good he's for him. Chill. you alluded to something earlier when you first started your process as an investor you had your first rental property where you had a long-term tenant that caused some headaches i'm assuming that's kind of what made you pivot into the direction of going short term so would you say that was like the moment where you thought to yourself, like, no more with the long term tenants, like I want to go short term? Yeah, absolutely. That was definitely the moment. Also, again, being in that real estate world and seeing different properties with tenants in them that are being sold, and they were just disasters. And I'm certainly not alluding to the fact that there's only bad long term tenants, we still have long term people and mostly in what Chris had owned previous to our relationship that are great. Like we manage places that are long-term because that's what works for the owner. Absolutely not like dead set against it. But that is the time where I guess personally affected me where I was like, I pay for this place. Like this is my mortgage. You know, I work hard for this and I want more control over my properties. I think that's our total rate for that. That was absolutely the moment when it personally affected me and it cost me like ten, fifteen thousand dollars in fees through the tribunal and lawyers to get this person out. And I'm like, what am I doing? I can take this 10, 15 grand and furnish a property and I know people are gonna leave. So that was definitely the moment. Yeah, I agree with that too. And you're seeing a lot more in the news. Like there was an article last week, I think there's two landlords or something like that that paid hundred K mm -hmm. for cash for keys just to get the tenant out. Like to me, that's insane. And that just speaks the truth to like how the landlord tenant board is here. And I'm not saying like, I agree with you, like it's not cut and dry, like it has to be yep. short term versus long term. But it's like, those are things we have to consider. And I think that's why you're seeing more buzz with the real estate investor community venturing off to like the Alberta or even like down south to the States. Like you're seeing a lot more of them flock there to really get out of Ontario, which is unfortunately, like I hate to say it, but you're seeing more and more of that. So it's cool that you recognize that early on though, back in the day, but now people are starting to really realize that. Yeah, 100%. Landlord tenant board, that has to be updated. Something has to be done on that long-term side. Tenants have, you know, a majority of the rights, which, you know, there's bad tenants and there's bad landlords, but there has to be some kind of change. Something has to give in that, which I know there's been some pretty decent talks for the landlord tenant board and updating that and you know because there's this big house shortage and they're saying short-term rentals are taking all that those long-term renters away but i mean at the end of the day not every investor and that's what people have to remember not every investor has financial freedom you know you have these people that have doors even five doors and it doesn't mean that they're financially free and you know they have tons of money to waste on tribunals and all this and i think that's kind of a stigma like as soon as you own a rental property and you own multiple doors like you're this big person but you know we all have to save our money i wasn't gifted any money everything that you know 
I have bought have been because I've made those moves and I've been brave enough to do it. But it's definitely not just, you know, made up money that just came to my pocket. I had to earn it. And I think that's a big stigma around investors. I mean, it's not always the case, just like anything, but I think that needs to change. But the short-term world, it's been big change for the way investors look at real estate. And I think it's opened up also some positive doors for people who are always scared because they heard the long-term, you know, horror stories. Then the short-term world gave them the confidence that they can invest. So I think it's helped. Yeah, there's a lot of investors that are hurting with the cash flow. And that's what a lot of people don't consider is the fact that like they're rich in equity, but they don't have that until they right. actually sell the property. So the cash flow is an issue for a lot of investors. So I would like if you had a landlord friendlier board here and you were into short-term rentals, then it'd be a nice mix because then you have that cash flow coming in. And that's why I stopped accumulating properties because I wanted more of the cash flow rich vehicle, which is our business. And then I can invest passively. So there's different ways to look at it. And I like the fact that you dove all in on short term. That's where it's going. And I mean, if rules and laws would change and maybe, you know, see a more positive benefit on long terms, I wouldn't be against it. But where I wanted the control over where my money was going and how my bills were going to be paid, a little bit of a control freak and I saw short term. So, and I still see it to this day until something changes with long term. A lot of our listeners will be wondering kind of when it comes to a yearly difference between a long term rental or short term rental, obviously you have your seasonality with locations and yeah. things of that nature. Does it work out to be on pace? Like, or is it a little bit less, but then obviously the risk profile is different? How do you find it shakes out for most of your profile clients? Higher percentage make more money on short-term rentals, even after they pay out our management fee, you know, net. Majority of them come out on top making more money than they did for long terms for sure. That's awesome. I don't even know if I can say situational because majority of them I would say make more money on short term. Even with the seasonal changes, I feel like us we focus very hard on the slower months, which then that's why we dived into corporate and you know longer term stays, which then allowed for more income because then everything is furnished, set up, ready to go, and then we get a higher monthly rate because of that. So yeah, with confidence, the short-term rentals definitely come out on time. There you go, people. You don't have to get stuck in the tribunal. <laughs> Riley has the way out. Yeah. All right. A big piece of this that you've touched on because you pivoted from negative experience with a long-term tenant into short-term rentals. Yep. You kept accumulating. This takes a certain mindset and we touch on mindset a lot in this show because I think so many people are scared of the worst case scenario. But as you can see in Riley's scenario, she has a great mindset and you've come out on top here because you've been able to park some of those thoughts and self-doubt and things of that nature. What is your mindset going to things? How do you squash the little voice in your head that tells you maybe this isn't the right idea or maybe I should do something differently? Do you have that or are you just locked in? No, I definitely have it. The doubt is definitely there. I think as we accumulate more, you know, there may be more doubt. Like you have that really good sense of confidence but at the same time you're like holy crap like there's a lot more on the line so you know for me it's like maybe a little bit more i think is if you're not scared you're not growing right like be scared and you just got to take it head on there's no other option so when i feel uncomfortable you know if i'm buying something and not uncomfortable like oh i don't know if this is like a good property or whatever but if i'm feeling uncomfortable with like oh i'm gonna take on another door or, you know, a little bit scared of the little bit of unknown. I'm like, this is perfect. This is what I need to harness. This means I'm uncomfortable. This means I'm growing. This means good. And I take that fear and I turn it into like, this is good. I can do this. 
seek the path of discomfort. I love that. <laughs> right. That's yeah, I, I think me and that's my best advice I guess I can give to anybody is if you're scared and you feel like you're, you know, nervous about it, that means, you know, change is good. Don't be afraid of change. Don't be afraid of risk. You know, everybody that has done anything in their life with a little bit of risk or fear, they usually come out on top. So Yeah. You can point back to mindset being the main driver to it because you're human. Like you still have the same thoughts in your head, the negative thoughts every now and then, and the fear of things going wrong. And everyone has that. But the difference between you and someone else is that you are more courageous to facing those objects and just going straight head on to discomfort. And that's really is the game changer for you. So for all those listening, not saying go out there and buy a property right now, but those are things that you really have to consider because the real estate investor community, I see a lot of like analysis paralysis. And I think that's the biggest issue a lot of them are facing. So yeah, even if you can just have that quote or something like pinned up on your desk or wherever you are at during the day, like, I think that'd be a pretty cool reminder. Hundred percent, I agree. Yeah. The analysis, like when I'm looking at a door or property, I don't sit there and, you know, analyze the numbers like to death. I know people that do that. I don't like when we bought that second motel, so there's, don't quote me, I think there's 12 or 13 doors there with a two bedroom apartment and a one bedroom apartment. And financing for it was pretty much impossible because, you know, it did a lot of like side cash business and they had no financial statements whatsoever. So like I was basing that off what I thought it could do. We had a motel that was already operating, which we could kind of judge, but it was also like on the other side of the county. But I mean, you know, I figured out what it would cost us to run between utilities and, you know, what it could do per door. And that's pretty much what I went with. Like, I didn't have financial statements on that. I just, Chris and I sat down and we're like, this is our worst absolute case. This is how much it's going to cost us a month. Can we afford to hold this property worst case for a couple of months while we do renos, you know, and give it a good start to see if it'll work. And that was our decision. We said, yeah, we can. So if we can do that, then we're good. We'll figure out the rest later. <laughs> yeah, get another deal and it'll cover the expenses. Right. And that's why it actually turned into a pretty decent deal because it didn't have financial statements. They didn't have it listed for an insane amount because financing is impossible for any really? motel right now with no proper you know, two-year minimum of financial statements. So we ended up getting a better deal on it. Yeah, the hurdle creates the opportunity there if you know how to work within kind of yep. the mud of it all mm -hmm, for sure that's awesome okay so if people want to reach out to you for real estate cozy up stays anything like that or just get some more information where's the best place to find you my phone number i'm not hard to reach and anything cozy up would be our girls in the office but yeah if anybody wants to chat investment real estate i'm all ears my cell phone is here perfect awesome. and we'll put those in the show notes for anyone listening so you know where to okay. reach riley don't call her on her cell phone for a stay at Cozy Up or do it if you want to just... <laughs> or do it. I'll send you where you have to go. So we'll figure it out. Riley, it's been great having you on the show today. I think you showed a lot of our listeners, number one, how they can get over a mindset hurdle. And number two, like just having those conversations on partnership and growing in a really cool book of business for your own portfolio of companies as well as for Cozy Up Stays. So it's really inspiring for listeners. And I appreciate you coming on and sharing with us. Yeah, of course. I enjoyed it. I've never done one. So this was fun. Awesome. Well, we're happy to be your first. Yeah.